We heard the scripture that Paul read actually earlier, and that is the same scripture for our sermon this morning. And so I'm going to read it again. It's found in the book of John, Gospel of John, in chapter 1. It's verses 9 to 13. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. If you've got a special guest coming, whether it's to your home or to your workplace or your town, your city or wherever, it's considered common decency, isn't it, to have some sort of welcome reception for that honored guest, that person. What? Just seriously for a moment, think about it. What would you do, like right now, in your mind at least, what would you do if the mayor of your city, whether it's Charlotte or Midland or Stanfield, if the mayor of your city was coming to your house this afternoon? I imagine, at least in our house, we'd be scrambling quite a bit. How embarrassing it would be really for a guest of honor to show up and no one was at the door to greet him or welcome him in. How much more embarrassing would it be if you were supposed to receive a special guest, but you didn't even recognize him when he arrived, or you just, so you just let him pass by like a stranger on the sidewalk. John's entire gospel is written about recognizing Jesus for who he is and receiving him into your life. So it is not surprising at all that when we read these verses that I just read, verses 9 to 13 of chapter 1, that those few verses are really saying just that very same thing, to recognize Jesus and receive him for who he really is. There are a few truths that need to be spelled out clearly as we look at this passage of Scripture. Just three of them, mainly. Truth number one, the baby of Bethlehem is the eternal Son of God. The baby of Bethlehem was the eternal Son of God. The Scriptures teach this in many, many places, not the least of which is right here in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, that baby Jesus is none other than God's one and only Son, the eternal Son, the second person of the Trinity, if we want to go theologically on us. John calls him the Word, in Greek, the logos, the, the first mover of everything that has been created. John calls him the Word. John also calls him the light, 
the true light. Chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God the Son, whose very nature is God himself, who is the I am of the Old Testament, who has always existed and always will existed, excuse me, always will exist, this God the Son became a human being in a mystery more profound than I think we'll ever be able to fully comprehend. The Son of God condescended to take on human DNA, to develop within Mary's womb as an embryo and a fetus, and to be born as a little child. One ancient writer put it this way, Remaining what he was, he became what he was not. In other words, remaining forever God, he took humanity to himself and became a human. A more modern writer, C.S. Lewis, who a lot of us are familiar with, shaped the thought in a slightly different way. In his uh, book series, The Chronicles of Narnia, Right near the end of that series, there are two characters, Diggory and Lucy, who are considering a stable as part of his story. The character Diggory says, as he looks at the stable, its inside is bigger than its outside. Yes, Lucy says, in our world too, a stable once had something inside it that was bigger than our whole world. How can we fully comprehend the mystery that the baby of Bethlehem was the eternal son of God? Yet that is truth number one. Truth number two, the eternal son of God made this world. He made this world. John makes this explicit in our scripture passage, in several places, in verse 10, John says, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. If we were to go up to verse 3, John had already said, through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. Pretty plain statements that this eternal son of God made this world that we live in. This shouldn't be all that great news for you. I mean, you should know this already, yet it forms the important, not just the background to this text, but the substance of this text. The maker of this cosmos has ultimate rights over this cosmos. And this is what John means when he writes in verse 11 He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Now, where it says his own, you read that in that verse, it says his own twice in that verse. In the original language, it's actually the same pronoun, but 
with two different endings. So two different, slightly different words there. I won't confuse you with a Greek lesson right now. <laughs> the first, his own, he came to that which was his own. The first, his own, refers to the world in general. And it means he came to that which was his rightful place. It was his rightful home. The second, his own, in the phrase, his own did not receive him, having a different ending on that pronoun, really refers to his people. So, yes, it refers to the Jewish people, most specifically, but also refers to all people everywhere because he is the maker of all people everywhere, including you and me. Truth number two, then, the eternal Son of God made this world. Truth number three, this world did not know him, nor did it welcome him. I refer back to the text of Isaiah 53 that I read earlier. It's not maybe a typical Christmas passage but it is the prophecy of the Son of God who would come and would be despised and rejected by man. Going back to verse 10 in chapter 1 of John, John writes, He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. To me, it reveals just how deeply the darkness of sin is in this world, that those who were made by him didn't even recognize him. They didn't even recognize the one who made him. And not knowing him, not recognizing him, John says in verse 11, his own did not receive him. No greeting at the door. No welcome reception for the one who deserves it more than anybody else. The sad truth is that this world has no room for Jesus. Even at Christmas time, this world has no room for Jesus. Christmas is filled with parties, good things, parties, holiday shopping, parades, putting up trees, decorations, family visits, giving gifts, receiving gifts, and I dare say even worship services. But often there's no room for Jesus in all those things. This world has no room for Jesus. These three truths then are critically important to understanding this passage, but the Lord doesn't want us merely to receive these truths. The Lord wants us to receive Jesus. He wants us to receive the word, the logos, the true light. So John says in verse 12, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So, I have to ask you, because I've had to ask myself in going in preparing these remarks, have you prepared 
a welcome reception for Jesus today? Have I prepared a welcome reception for Jesus today? Is there room in your life for Jesus today? Don't just quickly glance over those words or thoughts. Consider them deeply. Robert Boyd Munger wrote a little book, which I like a lot. It's called My Heart, Christ's Home. And in it, he says this, Without question, one of the most remarkable Christian doctrines is that Jesus Christ himself, through the Holy Spirit, will actually enter a heart, settle down, and be at home there. Christ will live in any human heart that welcomes him. All you have to do is prepare a welcome reception in your heart for him. The world won't lead us there, though. Only the truth does. To receive him, to believe in his name, as John puts it in verse 11, there is to become a child of God. No longer a child of the world, but a child of God. Living no longer for the things of this world that lead to destruction, but living for the one who actually made you. And a child gives full authority to the one who gave him life. Our challenge then is not just do we receive Jesus, is there room for him, but are we willing to give him full authority of our lives? I want to end this devotional thought really with uh, just quoting again from Robert Boyd Munger's book, as he gets to the end of that little book, after Christ has gone through all the rooms of his heart and done his cleansing work in each room, then he is dialoguing with Christ. And this is what he says. And I end with this. Suddenly I asked, Lord, is there a possibility you would be willing to manage the whole house and operate it for me? Could I give to you the responsibility of keeping my heart what it ought to be and myself doing what I ought to be doing? I could see his face light up as he replied, I'd love to. That is exactly what I came to do. You can't live out the Christian life in your own strength. That is impossible. Let me do it for you and through you. That's the only way it will really work. But, he added slowly, I am not the owner of this house. Remember, I am here as your guest. I have no authority to take charge since the property is not mine. In a flash, it all became clear. Excitedly, I exclaimed, Lord, you have been my guest, and I've been trying to play the host. From now on, you are going to be the owner and the master of the house. I'm going to be the servant. Running as fast as I could to the strong box, I took out the title deed to the house. Then rushing back to him, I eagerly signed it over, giving title to him alone for time and eternity. 
dropping to my knees. I presented it to him. Here it is, all that I am and have forever. Now you run the house. <laughs>